Welcome to Hire the Smile, the podcast on all things related to human resources and veterinary medicine. Join me, Katie Ardeline, and Mike Powell as we discuss how to support and take care of the people in your business for ultimate success. Great businesses share one common feature. They focus on taking care of their employees. They create businesses where everyone feels empowered and motivated to be the best they can be. These businesses want highly engaged employees and they do whatever it takes to make this happen because they know that highly engaged employees lead to more growth, client loyalty, and profitability. Veterinary medicine is a challenging profession, but it can be so much easier if we build business cultures that attract and retain the best people. Subscribe to Hire the Smile for great discussions on taking care of the people that make us all better. Hi, welcome to Hire the Smile, episode 17, the Oculus Insights podcast on all things related to human resources and the people that make up a veterinary practice. I'm Mike Pannell, and I'm joined as always by Katie Arline. Hey, Katie. Hey, Mike. So I have a question for you. Mm. Uh, from all the employee engagement surveys we have done, mm-hmm. what is the one, you know, there are some things, but what is the one consistent thing that vet practices really struggle with? Uh, I would say giving feedback, Mike. And none of this is staged. None <laughs> of this is staged. And and I would agree. Feedback, nobody likes giving feedback. And, no. you know, a lot of people just sort of, they, they either will vent at other people or nothing will get said because they don't want to hurt people's feelings. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is, uh, honestly, it's not even being ineffective at giving feedback, but it's just having the confidence to do it in a way that, you know, people can take it and that they take it to heart. So yeah, it's a struggle for sure. Yeah. And so, you know, and it's funny, uh, another stage question, and that is, but it's true. There is usually um, when people learn feedback, there's one type of feedback that we tend to give. And Mm. what do we call that? Uh, The S-H-I-T sandwich. (laughs) Shit sandwich. Shit sandwich. What it is, is you're basically having a layer of, you know, it's first a compliment, then the uh, action that needs to be corrected, and then you follow it up with a compliment. And it's just sort of, uh, it doesn't really seem to go over very well. I think, you know, when you have that habit of giving the shit sandwich, or that's your style all the time, people are like, they hear the compliment and they're like, uh, yeah, but this is just. Yeah. What do you really want to say? Yeah. Um, there's some bad news here. Why don't you just say it? Yeah, that's difficult. And I mean, I can see where it comes from. Uh, And I think, you know, one of the articles we're going to talk about gives sort of a different twist on the shit sandwich. But it's, yeah, I mean, after the first couple of times, employees catch right on to that. Yeah, I discovered there's a couple of great articles that actually came out within days of each other. And one's Mm -hmm. from uh, Harvard Business Review, the old trusty standby. But Mm -hmm. I think it's got a lot of relevance for vet medicine. It's called Softening Tough Feedback uh, by Dane Jensen and Peggy Boutgartner. And we'll have the links uh, in the podcast notes. But basically what they say is instead of doing the feedback sandwich, you know, what managers can really do well is they focus squarely on what needs to change. And they give, they pinpoint, they're really precise with the employees of the behavior and questioning, what the impact of it is. And they help the employee find out what they can do differently in the future. 
you know, if we're going to use an example, so so let's say um, you're the manager of a vet practice and you hear one of your veterinarians or receptionist or technician talking to a client in the in the waiting room, and you notice that your employee is interrupting the client a lot, really mm-hmm. interrupting a lot. And so what we would typically do with the performance feedback sandwich is we'd say, you know, you're doing such a great job and the way you handle pets is amazing. Uh, so that's, you know, buffering them up a little bit. But I noticed that you were pretty rude to the client there. You know, you're such a good person. I just, I know you can do better. Mm-hmm. And all the employee hears is, oh, I screwed up. And, you know, what happens is that, you know, the, it feels like a sneak attack. Because you know that as soon as your boss comes and says, gives you that compliment, Two things happen. A, whenever you truly want to give a compliment, there's a little bit of a cringe waiting for the negative feedback. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it really breeds a lot of mistrust. So, you know, what they say is you're wasting the reinforcing feedback. So if there is great stuff, and we talked about this in episode 12 of Hire the Smile about having a culture of appreciation, just say that when you want to, and it's good enough on its own. So what they say a better way to give feedback is, first of all, describe the behavior that you want to reinforce or correct and have observations rather than interpretations. So as opposed to saying, wow, you were really rude to the client because the person can come back and just say, I was being direct, you know, and the client was an understanding and I want to make sure that she knew what the pet needed. A better way of saying is, you know, when the client was talking to you, I couldn't help but overhear how often you interrupted her. There was at least three times where the person was speaking and you just interrupted. So you've described the behavior that you saw. And it's precise. It's not an interpretation. It is the action that you saw. Then you talk about explaining the impact of the behavior. So you can say, well, you know, if you keep interrupting like that, the client's going to either feel belittled. Uh, they may go to another place that they feel uh, listens to them more. And, you know, so maybe somewhere where they feel that they're going to get better customer service. So you've started with, this is a behavior I don't like. This is the results of the behavior Mm -hmm. we don't like. And then the third step of this is outlining what you'd like them to do instead. And what I thought was really interesting in this article is instead of focusing on past behavior, because it's done, it's over. You know, we can't change past behavior is let's start focusing on being forward looking. You could ask them questions like, why do you interrupt? What, what was triggering your interruption? You seem frustrated, but why are you interrupting? Give them a chance to answer. And maybe they're saying, you know what, this client, all they do is talk. I was just trying to get a word in edgewise. And then maybe from there, you can put up a plan. So in the future, you can say, you know what, have a pad with you. And when they're talking and when you're thinking of a question that you want to ask, just write it down. Mm-hmm. Or if you know this client really, really likes to talk a lot and tends to take a breath for you to comment or add an opinion is maybe you start the conversation as, you know, Mrs. Smith, I'm bringing out you know, your cat to you and I, I've got my next appointment coming. So I've only got about three minutes and I just like to explain to you what we need to do, what we found, what are the medications. So you're sort of setting some guidelines and that makes it easier. Any, any thoughts on this, Katie, in terms of how you, you've seen practices uh, use this? 
Well, first of all, I really, I like this idea a lot. This goes along with, you know, when we're giving people feedback in a performance review, you talk about the behavior and the impact rather than the person. So it takes it away from like, you're so rude, you interrupt to, I could see the client being uncomfortable because you kept interrupting them. Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of joins the dots. But I think if you're in a practice where they haven't done a lot of constructive feedback, then yeah, it's a battle. <laughs> and you have to be very diligent about how you give the feedback because you can really get into micromanaging if you're not careful. Sure. Trying to you know control every single thing that they do and being on top of them and feeling like they've, they've always got somebody watching and that's so disruptive and uh, demoralizing for staff. So yeah, I think it's uh, it's an interesting way to think about it and always thinking of that impact versus intent concept. Well, it's sort of the flip side of, you know, we were talking in our past episode on showing appreciation and how to say thank you and acknowledge good performance. It's mm. the same thing in terms mm-hmm. of, hey, uh, it's on its own. It's just talking about great performance and just saying, wow, I really loved how you handled that client. I could see how they like to talk a lot and they didn't give you much room to be part of the conversation. But I like how you started the conversation off. You got your information. Again, being very specific as opposed to, wow, you're great with that client. Mm-hmm. Give the reasons why they're great. Mm-hmm. So I think when we talk about feedback, it just shouldn't be the negative feedback. It's, it's the positive feedback. You know, we have a colleague who uh, a couple of years ago said to me, you know, it's all just information. It's not necessarily positive or negative. It's just information and it's how we interpret it. So right. that's kind of how I think about it. When we're trying to help clients coach them, on how to give feedback, it's like, this is just information. Due to past experience or ego or whatever the case may be, we tend to get our hackles up instantly when somebody gives us feedback. But really, it's just, it's just info. Yeah. If you trust that the person has good intentions, then, you know, you can just take it and interpret it and, and go from there. If I go back into stages of my career when I was working with a senior person, and I, I could think of situations where it didn't have a sense of an emotion. It didn't have a sense that somebody was trying to work their way smooth talk into making a compliment. But when they gave me the reasons of what I did and, and why it wasn't the best way to handle the situation, at least it gave me a tool to use next time. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, you didn't do a good job, it's all messy. Yeah, you're just going to feel bad about it. It's like, well, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> yeah, and just it's, it's too broad. For sure. Hey, before we get to your article, because I think you, your article has a really uh, neat approach to it, I just want to take a break and so we can talk about the new service from Oculus, Advice by Oculus. Veterinary practice would be so much easier if all we had to do was treat our patients. Instead, we also have to deal with the realities of running a business, keeping and retaining staff, attracting new clients, and maintaining profitability, to name a few. Veterinarians also struggle with navigating and managing the always-on mentality clients expect of them while trying to maintain a livable work-life balance while also managing student debt. When you add in the uncertainty and volatility of the world outside our vet practices, the business aspect of veterinary medicine can take away the pleasure of being a veterinarian, practice owner, or manager. Fortunately, we have a solution. Advice by Oculus provides online personal performance coaching and business advisor sessions that are convenient, accessible, and confidential for the veterinary profession. Personal performance coaching can help anyone develop confidence, motivation, and engagement. 
Your coach helps you identify what is holding you back and how to overcome these obstacles so you can reach your full potential. If you are struggling with your career and the negative impact on your personal life, personal performance coaching is for you. We all know it can be very lonely leading and managing a business. Often we find ourselves having to make decisions that can have a significant impact on finances, staff, and the overall health of the business without the confidence that we have considered all options before making our decisions. Having a personal business advisor with the experience and education for veterinary business management can help you clear a path to business success. We have been in your shoes and know what it takes to move forward. It's as easy as picking your advisor or coach and booking your time. It's all done online. And for a limited time only, we are offering a 20% savings for all first time Advice by Oculus users. Advice by Oculus. Consider it like telemedicine for your business or career. Okay, so Katie, tell us about your interesting article on feedback. Yeah, this is an interesting one. So it's out of MIT Sloan Management Review online. It's called The Simple Way to Make Giving Feedback Easier by Therese Huston uh, from late January of this year. And really, she asserts or she, you know, reinforces that, yes, giving constructive feedback can suck. Uh, She maybe didn't use those words, but that's my interpretation. And that often we avoid it because we are afraid that people are going to shoot the messenger. And as an aside, you know, I've definitely seen this when we've dealt with helping clients deal with staff who need constructive criticism or need, you know, even more sort of uh, intervention in how they're acting. And often the the owners of the practices are happy for me to do it because I don't have to be there all the time. Uh, but mm-hmm. definitely, uh, you know, there is a huge element of shooting the messenger. And generally uh, what the article says is, yeah, research has actually shown that people do shoot the messenger. So there's like a jolt of general dislike and that people assume that the person giving the feedback has ulterior negative motives. So, for example, this is really interesting. I never thought of it this way. If you tell someone that they hog airtime during meetings, they might assume that you are the one that you want to to spotlight and you want to spend more time rambling yourself. Or if you tell somebody that their joke that they made in front of a group was inappropriate, they might think that you may just want to embarrass them, call them out. So it's interesting, you know, you, you think of the impact uh, that it has on the person, but at the same time, they're thinking about you and they're thinking about what your motives are. Uh, So anyway, she says that all of this leads to a tendency for us to just say nothing, which is harmful for workplace culture. I mean, you know, it's time and time again, it's so basic. Ignoring an issue doesn't make it go away. It just makes it bigger and worse and potentially more harmful. We see this a lot in practices where they don't have any kind of performance management system. Uh, Staff don't feel like they have a safe way to give feedback to ownership. So, you know, things just get bigger and bigger and and it becomes more stressful. So she goes on to say that people genuinely want to help each other out and make their work lives and the company's culture better. So how do we get that across without prompting someone to go on the defensive? And what she says is what the key is, is expressing good intentions right at the beginning. So I was kind of flipping because I'm like, is this the shit sandwich? But it's not really the same thing. (laughs) So when you express your good intentions right from the outset, it changes how people actually hear what you're saying next. So you would reframe the comment by reassuring the person that you want the best for them. And that's an air quote, want the best. 
this makes the listener hear the feedback differently. So they'll hear it like this will be helpful for me and my career and, and my day to day versus this is, is an attack on me and everything that I stand for. And you might say to yourself, well, can't we just assume that everybody always wants the best for us? Uh, and no, we can't. So, you know, when people are left guessing at somebody's intentions, we default to thinking that their intentions are negative and we assume the worst. And, you know, assumption is, is so uh, harmful. And it can take you down such a path uh, that you, it's hard to get out of. So it's a really interesting thing to remember. So what she says is, and I don't know that I would necessarily say I want the best for you to an employee or somebody working at a practice. It's, it sounds a little like your mommy, but you could <laughs> say something like, I want you to be successful. And right now I see something getting in the way of your success. And then you try and make it specific to that person. So for example, if there's somebody who dominates the conversation during a phone meeting, uh, you could say something like, I want to make sure people listen to you in meetings because your ideas are incredibly insightful. But right now, I think people tune you out. And then you can mention that you saw the impact. You saw that when this person was speaking in the meeting, people were checking their phones, they were checking email, it looked like they were tuning out. So, you know, you tell them again, like what you were saying in the article that you brought up, this is the impact. Uh, and I know that you have good intentions. I know that you have really good things that you need to say, but the way you're delivering it just isn't effective. Another example is uh, from above is if somebody has told an inappropriate or offensive joke, you could say something like, I want to make sure people respect you and feel safe around you. You bring so much to this team, but I overheard you tell a joke yesterday that could have offended some people. So you're not at all attacking the person, but you're saying this is the impact and maybe you didn't realize it, but you're coming at it from a way that I really want you to succeed. And this is getting in the way of your success. And I think that's really good. Just basic way to think about it. Come at it from, I want you to be successful and I want everybody to feel safe around you. I think that's, it's really like interesting way of thinking of it for sure. Yeah. Cause again, it's, you know, one of the things too, that we should mention is, is, you know, there's other research uh, when people hear negative news is that uh, flight or fight. And so, you know, when you're starting with the feedback sandwich or just without saying, Hey, I want the best for you. And they hear the negativity. I have seen that in interactions, but and the research has proven it. People shut down. Yeah. And, and they just focus on, oh my God, I suck. I screwed up. And they're so disappointed in me. It's just, oh my God, I'm such a mess. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, hey, this is taking the emotion out. We're just sharing information. The preamble is, hey, I'm supporting you. You're a great worker. You're doing a great job. I think that flight or flight goes away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I can think of situations where trying to talk to, to somebody and their default is just to do that shutting down right away. And it's like, how do we get in here? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that this is, you know, reiterating that you really want the best for them. But I think that though, that the hitch here is that your actions prior to this conversation need to have backed that up. Yep. So if you're telling somebody you care, you, you better have been shown, you know, you can't just come out of left field after, being an ass to somebody for two years and say, I really want the best for you. Like, yeah, well, for sure. <laughs> how, what are you basing that on? This feels fake. And then I think that might be where I was thinking that it's, it's the shit sandwich is if it's disingenuous, people are going to shut down and, you know, maybe they should. Yeah. I think this is really interesting though. You know, and there's one last thing I want to say about feedback and I've seen this in a lot of practices is that 
instead of talking to the person or person. So let's say you're a company and you have a a procedure on something and every, you know, it's a receptionist and we don't give credit to people and we need to get a credit card on file. And you notice that one receptionist is not doing a good job about it. And what I've seen too often is instead of going to the receptionist and saying, and addressing it with the proper way of feedback, they'll send a company-wide email or whatever saying, hey folks, remember we're supposed to be really good at, uh, you know, not giving credit and to get paid a time of service. And what happens is all the people that are actually doing it properly are like, well, why are they getting after me? I have, mm-hmm. I'm fine, or, or am I not doing fine? I thought I was. And I know when I've, I've met with employees as part of an employee engagement survey, that's a really consistent concern. It's like, just come and tell me, mm-hmm. or tell the person. And because the people that are doing a good job get discouraged because they feel like they're not. And the people that are not doing a good job Nobody's really told them it's them that needs to pick up the socks a little bit. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's sort of the lazy, I don't know if it's passive aggressive, but avoidance way of doing things is I'm just going to send out a blank email. I think the difference might be is if it's more than one person and we as an employer haven't been clear about what the expectations are, then that's a bit of a different story. But Yeah. uh, yeah, I agree. That blanket email thing, like it just... I, I've been on the receiving end of that before, and it's not a nice place to be. Yeah. Because they're like, well, what the heck? Like, yeah. we, we need to have the courage to to tell the person uh, when they're doing something wrong, for sure. So, hey, let's get to uh, our next segment, our wins and fails. And before we get there, I just want to thank people for listening to this podcast and whatever platform you're listening to. Please uh, leave us a review. It helps others discover it. Uh, or we see more and more people are starting to like this podcast as the word gets out. But please uh, share the news. And if you have any input or any uh, thoughts or a subject you'd like us to talk about, you can always get us online at Oculus Insights, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or you can just email us at info at oculusinsights.net. So, Katie, mm. I'll start with my week's fail. Okay. This is one that I just, I think one of us had this as a fail several weeks ago. Yeah. And so basically, um, we're based in Canada and one of our largest media companies, uh, Bell Media, I will say who it is, they're going through some, like a lot of other companies, belt tightening and what have you. And they're just, they've laid off a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> what they're doing it is they're doing 90 second conference calls through Zoom. And so they give this one example of the employer sends out a link and it's often like in one example was, hey, a business update. Mm -hmm. And so everybody comes in and then they find out that the cameras are turned off, the mics are muted, and then somebody just comes on from HR or management and just sort of reads off these, as they said, employees' last rights. And the call could be like 50 seconds, 90 seconds, but... Wow. Uh, so yeah. a couple of things is, you know, it's quick and easy, but it's really detrimental to the mental health of the person who's being let go. But it also, I mean, word gets around in a company and it really fosters that an environment of fear or mistrust between management employees. And so anytime you're going to get an invitation to join a conference call, you're thinking, oh, is this it for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just, just absolutely crummy way of doing it. 
I was just reading this article and these other companies and then just, you know, this one person, same thing. This is from Bell, but this is another company. And there was 92 other employees on it. Wow. And the call lasted 50 seconds. And then uh, she said, as she's on the call and you can see all the participants, you can just see people dropping off. And that's just like people saying goodbye to a company. So you imagine you're at home and you've had a 50 second call and basically, yep, you're terminated. We can do better than that. Definitely. And I think as an addendum to that, to the Bell story is here in in Canada, Bell does a huge mental health fundraising day. It's called Bell Let's Talk. And they raise, you know, for every time you retweet or you use their hashtag Bell Let's Talk, that a nickel is donated, et cetera, et cetera. And they've donated millions of dollars to mental health causes over the years, which is great. Uh, I think it's 10 million or something over five or six years. But their first round of cuts that they did in this mass layoff was the day after Bell Let's Talk Day, nice. you know, and people who had been sportscasters as part of a duo for like 15 years, very, very successful, just like got pink slip the next day. And they're like, well, I guess the company doesn't care about my mental health. Yeah. Uh, so it's they're still donating money and that's great, but it's just really not a good look you know, for such a huge company. And yeah, to then follow it up by doing Zoom terminations, it's ridiculous. So I'll give you one last example on this, fail. So there's this one sports radio station and earlier in February, and the employee was, they got an email, please join this conference call at 915. Uh, they were going to be live on the radio. And they're like, you know, we can sort of join it live while, you know, maybe while a song is playing or, you know, whatever. And they realized that all of a sudden as they tried to go live, the producers had lost control of the music and the commercials and the broadcast. And so they knew, they sort of knew what was happening. And so here's the, ouch, here's really like stabbing people in the back. So after they received the official notice, the song that was on the radio on their station was the Green Day song, Good Riddance, Time of Your Life. Yeah. So, nice. Just, that's yeah. Just, I think that was when they were switching formats, right? Like there yeah. were like live sports stations and they were switching to like oldies or something like that. Like it was just a snap. Like it was, there was no preamble. It's just, we're not doing this anymore. It's yeah. Crazy. So. Anyway, what's your fail? Uh, my fail. I just haven't people learned. That's my fail. So um, basically in California, there was uh, Northern California, there was a school board that was having a call about COVID measures. And they were talking about how parents were getting after them about what their plans were, whether they liked or didn't like it, which I mean, is a conversation I'm sure a lot of school boards had, but what they didn't realize was that as they were going into profanity laden, very disrespectful comments about these parents. They were actually on a Zoom meeting that was being broadcasted live publicly. So yeah. So saying things like they were talking about letters and social media posts from parents criticizing ongoing school closures. Uh, One quote, it's unfortunate they want to pick on us because they want their babysitters back. Uh, another one said that parents just want their kids out of the way so they can go back to smoking pot in their homes, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, there was some pretty like bad, you know, we can say shit sandwich on here, but I wouldn't use the F word, but you know, people saying that kind of thing and everybody was laughing. And then they realized that it was actually being broadcasted live. 
So uh, everybody from that school board quit, which they should. I think the crappy thing is, is that this is how they're talking about their constituents. And if this is how they talk about them behind closed doors in one instance, what is the rest of it like? So it's a real disconnect between, you know, understanding what their jobs are. It just, I don't know, it boggles the mind. You know, I think about how uh, with practices that we work with and a lot of practices really discourage people talking badly about clients. And I mean, you know, sometimes a client is difficult and you need to let off steam and that's one thing, but to, you know, have a just demonstration like this where it's a systemic disrespect, it's like, well, how far does this go? Yeah. And I don't know, it's sad and it boggles the mind. So that's the fail that uh, I dug up this week. Right. Well, I have a win. I have a really neat win. And so earlier this month, an article came across my feed. Olivia Wilde, many of you may know her. She was um, a star in the TV series House, uh, but she's turned into quite a well-respected director. And she was talking about uh, a movie that she was directing late last year that she fired the star, big-name Hollywood people. We don't have to mention anybody's names. Uh, And she said, basically, I have a no-asshole policy as a director. And she said the policy was, was born from a movie that she was working on before. And where it comes from is that great art. And I, I, I think you can say great work or great anything has to come from a place of discomfort and anxiety. And so she was advised by this Hollywood legend who was directing her in a movie that said, you know, if you want to be a great director, they said, you have to have three big arguments a day, just really these big arguments to reinstate your power, remind everyone who's in charge, be the predator. That was, that's the quote, be the predator. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I just thought that's just the opposite of what we should be doing. And, and so she's done the opposite way of the, you know, and instituting this no asshole policy. But why she likes it, and I think this is where it really is applicable to a veterinary practice, is that it puts everybody on the same level. She goes, I noticed as an actress for years how the hierarchy of the set separated the actors from the crew. That really didn't serve anyone, and it doesn't really bother the actors and everything that keeps them separate, but just really makes everybody kind of anxious when you have this stratified uh, separation between people. So she's like, you know what? We're all together. This is how we make great art as a team. And I thought, you know, that's the same thing that applies to any business. And, you know, if you have a, a culture that really has, um, and I've seen this before, where the doctors are placed very high, everybody else sort of has different tiers, and, you know, the doctors can be a bit jerkish to other people, and it just makes it a terrible work environment. And I don't think you can do great medicine that way either. So I really commend her uh, for for doing that and being very vocal about it. I think it it, uh, demonstrates a good model of how it should be. Absolutely. That's a great one. So my win this week is really, I mean, it's not a specific article or anything like that, but as most of us that live in North America know, uh, Texas, basically all of Texas was hit with unprecedented, really, really freezing cold temperatures. I mean, even for us in Canada, pretty cold temperatures and snow and ice and sleet and Texas was wholly unprepared. I mean, they're a hot weather state uh, for various reasons that we won't necessarily go into. Their power grid wasn't prepared for cold, uh, you know, and people just don't have insulated pipes. They don't have pipes underground. 
et cetera, et cetera. So it was a real big mess. And, uh, you know, Texas, parts of Texas basically shut down for three, four days. They had rolling blackouts. It was really a mess. Uh, but I think the on the bright side, you know, just following along on the messaging system of one of our really lovely clients down there and watching the news, people really came together to help each other as much as they could. You know, whether it was saying, hey, I have a generator, come to my place if you need it, or, you know, neighbors stepping in to help remove furniture from somebody's house that was flooding because of broken pipes or whatever the case. I think that, uh, you know, it should, you know, with all the division, especially in the United States in the last few years, seeing people come together and seeing the best in people is really a, a wonderful thing. So that's my win. Just a yeah, general happy win yeah. for the week. Love it. So, hey, that's it for this time. Again, um, thank you for listening. Any suggestions for a subject or uh, guests, even uh, info at oculusinsights.net. And yeah, please give us your thumbs up and your reviews on uh, whatever podcast platform you're using. And we'll be back in two weeks. Thanks, Katie. Right Thanks, Mike. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Hire the Smile, brought to you by Oculus Insights. Our goal at Oculus is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success. This episode was produced and edited by Heather McPherson. Special thanks to Alyssa Rubenstein for doing the amazing marketing that she does for Oculus. You can see what we are up to by checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and our website, oculusinsights.net. If you think you could use a business advisor or performance coach, go to advicebyoculus.com. See you next time.